Move into the fourth, which is gave us, give us today our daily bread. What does this mean? God surely gives daily bread. Once again, Luther starts out with the how and not the what. So how does this come to us and not what is this? But God surely gives daily bread without our asking, even to all the wicked. Um, remember that passage? The, the sun rises on the righteous as well as upon the wicked. Um, but we pray in this petition that he would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. Um, but now Luther does give us the what. How do we define daily bread? Well, I kind of get the feeling that Luther was helping Katie do the dishes and he looked out the kitchen window at what was around and he wrote down the list. So daily bread includes everything that we need for bodily welfare, such as food and drink, clothing and shoes, house and home, land and cattle, money and goods, a godly spouse, godly children, godly workers, godly and faithful leaders, good government, good weather, peace and order, health, a good name, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. Um, not all of those things would necessarily apply to us, and not everything that we have would necessarily apply to Luther, but you get the idea. The things that are necessary, um, God gives to us and blesses us. Um, so what does daily bread mean? Basically, it means food and all the other things God promises to give us for our bodily needs. You know, what do we have to have? Um, do I have to own a phone? No. Is it um, almost expected that people should be able to get a hold of me by phone, however? In our culture, at least? Especially if I'm a pastor? Probably, yeah. Does that mean that I have to own a smartphone? Um, well, I find that people can get a hold of me pretty good by using either my home line or my, or my office phone, you know, without knowing anything about, uh, or, or whether, knowing whether or not I own a, 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 a cell phone at all. Um, and also, um, if the boys and I are in the car, you know, whoever's driving, I strongly discourage them from answering the phone. You know, not a good idea. I know that there are, what's it called, a heads-up display? Or voice-only or whatever. You can get a little clip that your phone sits in and usually it clips onto, what is it, the one of the air conditioner vents or whatever? And uh, it sits there or, or into the cup holder or whatever, and it'll sit there. And if you can do it hands-free, then you can do it hands-free. I've uh, noticed that all of our... Um, Funeral directors have the hands-free thing in their, just in their car automatically. You know, they can actually push a button in the car and it comes up. I don't know if anybody else has a car like that, but for whatever, funeral directors always get the best car <laughs> right after it comes off the line. I don't know why that is, but probably. They want to look good. They love their secretaries, so don't they, Joe? So... Psalm 145, oh, just with regard to daily bread, I put this on here because this is the prayer, these two verses together, this is the prayer I say when I feed my cats. Okay, this is a couple times a day. The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. 
You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing, and the righteous man cares for the needs of his animal. Um, and you know what my kittens do? They wait for me to say the prayer. They see me go into the bathroom. They, uh, not, not exactly. They don't, they don't fold their paws. But they see me, they see me go into the bathroom. They, I, uh, I, I, do, I, I clean out the litter box. And they, and they know. If I'm cleaning out the litter box, they know that food is next. You know, so I clean the litter box. They put that stuff away. And then I open up the bag and, and I'll wash my hands first. I open up the bag and then I've got the cup and I scoop out their food. And then I say this as I'm pouring the food. And, uh, and they run in and they're looking at me, but they'll wait. You know, and if, I, if I'm tired or whatever, or I'm in, it's in the morning and I'm grumpy or whatever, I don't say anything, then they just look at me. <laughs> you know, and, oh yeah, we got to pray. Okay, in the eyes of all. And I know one morning I said that out loud. I said, oh yeah, we got to pray. And one of the boys was still in bed and just started laughing, like, are you kidding me? And I, you know, okay, so we got to pray, say the prayer, and, 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 the, and the kitties come in. And then, uh, yeah, so. God gives bread to all without their asking, even to the wicked. Um, oh, I, I just mentioned this verse, Matthew 5, 45. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, so he gives because he blesses us, even maybe through the actions of the wicked. Can God bless the good? Sure. There are all kinds of things in our society that wicked men and women have created or done that we benefit from. Um, so far, I mean, I don't know who packs the spam that I eat every day, you know, or almost every day or whatever, but uh, um, whoever that, but that's a blessing to me, you know, whatever it is. Jesus teaches us to realize that everything we receive from our bodily needs is a gracious gift of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus teaches us to receive all our bodily needs with thanksgiving. Um, there, now, there was, a, I, I would consider it to be a kind of a blasphemy once upon a time. But in the days of the old Navy, the pre World War I Navy, when ships would go alongside each other, you know, from this wall to that wall apart for the broadsides, you know what the sailors would say on deck? For what we are about to receive, let us be truly thankful. That's what they would say as we're about to get shot at. You know, that was their little uh, sort of hackneyed uh, uh, prayer of because uh, uh, that was probably their regular table prayer, but then they'd say it when they're about to get led, you know, also or whatever. But that's reported by author after author after author of of of, of battles of that of the age of sail. So say it and say it and say it. By teaching us to ask for bread only for today, Jesus teaches us to trust God to supply what we need. Each day that should be, and not to worry about the future. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That was today's email devotion passage. Um, cast all your cares on him. Anything else about the fourth petition? Marsha? Yeah. 
give them their daily bread, everything that, that they need. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever it may be. You know, it's, it's different for everybody. Yeah, God knows. Okay. Fifth petition. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Of course, uh, uh, Luther picks up uh, Luke's version of this and not Matthew's. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sins or because of them deny our prayers. For we are worthy of none of the things for which we ask. Neither have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will forgive from the heart and gladly do to those who sin against us. So we will want to forgive. Um, What if someone is unrepentant? Should I tell them that they're forgiven? No, if they're not repentant, they don't know that what they've done is sinful and they should be told that you are, you know, that that's, that that's a problem. Um, and we need the preaching of the law there. But if somebody is repentant, um, how often does Jesus tell Peter we should forgive a guy who sins against us? 77 or 70 times 7, whichever. Um, What is 70 times 7? 490? Yeah, that's a lot. So, um, um, if somebody sins against me, yeah, and isn't, uh, doesn't repent of that sin, right? I can still, I can still forgive him, but I cannot offer God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness. Yeah, I also would not trust that person, right? You know. Which takes us into the realm of what, it's your, what if it's your spouse who sins against you? You know, with something that might break your marriage. You know, are you required to forgive? Are you required, or are you required to forget? Well, if that spouse is not repentant, it would be unwise to forget. And it would be wise to... Uh, to handle that according to your own feelings. If you can forgive and get past this, that's okay. But if that is, is something that maybe has broken your marriage, then God also permits that to end that marriage as well. Um, um, that's not Jesus' main point um, here, but it, it does get into that. Mr. Wolf. No, the as we is a little preaching of the law, a little encouragement. In other words, which is how you should behave too. Yeah. Yeah. But you could misinterpret it by saying, well, I sure. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you take something before God, um, it's different than talking about it out in the hallway. When you say something in a prayer, you're before the throne of God and it's something that you shouldn't say lightly. Um, yeah, I had something else to add about that. Just, just that, oh, and then also though, uh, but God also invites us to pray because 
he wouldn't want us to pray if he weren't going to answer those prayers and to grant us these things. So he also wants us to pray. God, um, in, in, in some cases, you know, in, is it the prophet Daniel who is told, you know, even when you began praying, the answer was on its way already? And there are times where the Lord is pleased with us just because we're, a, we're about to pray and he knows what's going on. Um, I, I don't know if I should tell you this. Well, now I said that out loud, didn't I? <laughs> so um, in, uh, in August of 79, my mother passed away. And from that day, I began to hold my hands differently when I prayed um, because there was a hole in my life. And I asked God to fill that hole in some way. I knew, I was only 14 or 15. I, I knew that it would be a while. But I started leaving a gap here. You know, there, there's, no, there's no finger there for those two fingers. There's a little gap there. And I, I knew in my mind that I'm telling the Lord, I would like you to fill this gap in my life. So I just began praying by holding my fingers differently. And the, the day that um, Kath and I got engaged, I stopped holding my hands that way. And wow, did that feel weird. Because that was more than 15 years later. You know, when, that, when I finally got to hold my hands differently. And then two years ago, I started holding my hands this way again. You know, and it actually felt kind of natural again to go back. You know, um, but, uh, but, and I hope one day that I can, you know, switch again, but, um, but, uh, that's just a part of a prayer posture. It's so that I don't have to constantly add that into my prayer. It's just in my posture, you know, but, um, but the Lord knows what we're gonna, you know, that what we're on our way to pray for. I don't know if we've ever surprised the Lord with a prayer, with a petition, um, but he wants us to pray and he invites us to pray. Have I told you how I end my, I'm, as long as I'm talking about my wife and I'm just kind of, you know, you guys are doing counseling for me this evening, so thank you, is uh, um, uh, have I told you how I end my prayers these days? Um, I, I, I thank the Lord for, for my darling Catherine and I say three blessings about her. I say, um, bless her spirit with you in heaven, her remains awaiting the resurrection here on earth and her memory among us. That's how I put that. Um, but I suppose I wanted to share that because I don't know if anybody else would maybe use that for somebody else, you know, in their life possibly. But um, we should actually do something Luther hasn't done once again in this petition, and that is defining the word sin. So by sin, we mean everything we have said, thought, or done wrong, and also the sinful condition into which we're born and which we inherit from our parents. And because of our sins, we know that we're not worthy of the things which we ask for. And as Luther says, because we daily sin much, you know, what do we deserve? We deserve nothing but punishment from God. When we pray for forgiveness, we're asking God for Jesus' sake not to look upon our sins. We're also asking God not to deny our prayers because of our sin, but in his grace to give us all the things we ask for. Nobody can come to God sinless, you know, and so you ask God to overlook my sins for Jesus' sake. And we show our thanks for his forgiveness as we forgive from the heart and gladly do good to those who sin against us. 
That's what we want to do. We don't always do that. We're sinful human beings. Um, what, every once in a while, we get somebody who is a new convert, who then his family is like converts, and then the, the, like the, the older son will end up in catechism class. And I've, I've had this happen time after time where then that young person is stunned that the church is inhabited by sinners. It's like, how can this be? We joined the church. And how can people live like that? You know, and, and, if, and then we asked them to do you know, service projects. And so some of them end up as ushers. And they're amazed. They're like, how can all these people walk into church and not give offerings? You know, and how come so many people aren't here? And he looks around at the, at the catechism class and looks at who shows up for church. And he, you know... How come none of these kids I'm in class with are coming to church? You know, it really stuns them and they have to be taught that the church of God is a messy place. Um, I forget how I put this the other day. It, we, we lead our people into green pastures, right? Um, and from the outside, on the, on the one side of the fence, that flock might look pretty good. But if you, if you climb the fence into where the sheep are, Half of them are walking the wrong way, you know, and, and 10 of them are sitting in the mud and it's, it's a messy place, the church. Um, but that's how we, that's how God heals and encourages his people um, is what happens here in the mess. Um, never in my one summer of being a goat herd did all of those goats walk together in step. You know, never. Or even in the right direction. You know. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so forth. And verses like that. Yeah, what can man do to me? The mighty Lord is looking at me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Let's get into the sixth petition here. Um, uh, lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God surely tempts no one to sin. But we pray in this petition that, sorry, that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us or lead us into false belief or despair and other great, was it other great shame and vice once upon a time? And yeah, uh, uh, other great and shameful sins. And though we are tempted by them, we pray that we may overcome and win the victory. The Apostle Paul often talks about the life of the Christian as being a, like an athletic event. Paul talks about what, there are three Olympic events Paul brings up, uh, uh, a race, a foot race, wrestling. wrestling and boxing. Those are the three. Yeah, yeah, all three of those. Good, Brad, I often forget the wrestling one. Temptation is any situation in which a person may be deceived, deceived or led astray into false belief, even unbelief. And temptation, or, or uh, temptation is led, being led into despair, 
or into great and shameful sins, any of these things. And uh, James says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Therefore, we know that God does not lead us into temptation. But you want to be um, aware of God's will. You know, by praying for it, you want, uh, uh, God wants us to understand and to learn and to remember that this is his will. So Jesus sticks it in the prayer. So he keeps saying it. I mean, how many of us would say, I'm going to have an, I'm going to make another idol today? You know, we wouldn't say that. Um, and yet, there's always a temptation to make something like my own attitude, for example, my, into an idol. Um, but what about a graven image, an actual object idol? You know, our culture isn't tempted to do that, but it's still in the commandments. Don't do it. Because um, there's always a danger of somebody running into it along the way. Um, and God blesses us by, by saying, this is my will. You know, pray this along with me. Um, let's go into the, into the final, the, eighth, the seventh petition, rather, and then the doxology. Deliver us from evil. In conclusion, we pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would deliver us from every evil that threatens body and soul, property and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, grant us a blessed end and graciously take us from this world of sorrow to himself in heaven. Um, veil or valley of tears is how um, this used to get put, but world of sorrow is good. And evil, the definition of evil is all bad things that are part of our life on earth as a result of Adam's fall into sin, but evil also includes what besides that? The devil himself. In fact, in Matthew 6, what's the petition? It's not deliver us from evil. It's deliver us from the evil one. Yeah, specifically a mention of the devil. Evil in the world brings many hardships into our lives because evil threatens our bodies and souls, our property and reputation. Um, but when God permits evil to come into our lives, he makes it work for ultimately for our good. Um, Psalm 94. Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in silence, in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping... Your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. So I slip either physically or spiritually or sinfully, and God picks me up and holds on to me. And 23rd Psalm, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God is right there with us all the time. Just a word in our last minute here about the doxology. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to read Luther's explanation, then talk about where the doxology comes from, because it doesn't seem to be part of the text, actually, of the scripture. Um, at least not of the Lord's Prayer. I, I don't want to say it's not part of the scriptures. We can be sure that these petitions are acceptable to our Father in heaven and are heard by him, for he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Therefore we say, 
Amen, it shall be so. Or how did we all learn it once upon a time? Yea, yea, so shall it be. It was a different time, different place. Um, a long time ago, yeah. Uh, now, where does it where does it come from? Um, actually, there are some passages that are very close to this. First Peter four eleven, to him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. It's very close to the doxology. Uh, an early Christian document for the from the, about the year one hundred and fifty called the Didache, or the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles, says in the Lord's Prayer, actually attached to it already says, "For yours is the power and the glory forever." Amen. Which is basically 1 Peter 4.11. Hoti su esten he dinamis kai he doxa ais tu sayonas amen. So very, very close to the, to, the, to the doxology. And all the, besides 1 Peter 4.11, 2 Peter 3.18, to him be glory both now and forever. Second uh, Clement, about the same time as the didache, to him be glory forever and ever, Amen. And 1 Chronicles 29.11 has a prayer from Solomon that has all the elements in it. Glory, power, um, kingdom. And Psalm 145.11 and 12 also. Um, very similar to the doxology. So all of these things. And I, I, my opinion, and it's only my opinion because I wasn't there, is that some Christians went up to their pastor in the early days of the church, the very earliest days, and said, I don't like it when we end the Lord's Prayer with deliver us from the evil one. You know, if they were a little bit superstitious or whatever, their conscience bothered them. So I think a very good pastor said, well, you know what, we could tack on maybe that verse from Peter or Chronicles or whatever, and you can say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Is it doctrinally okay? Sure. Scripturally okay? Sure. Do you know that we used to say it differently, though? In the old, old hymnal, the one before the red one? We used to sing it. Um, For thine is the kingdom, yeah, and the power. We used to sing it for communion Sundays. That was part of the page, was it page 5 or page 15? Page 15, I think. For the, yeah, and I drove the ushers in my home church crazy because if we were saying the Lord's Prayer, they knew when to ring the tolling bell. But if we were going to sing it, they couldn't figure it out. Well, when, when do I ring the tolling bell? <laughs> That's your problem, not my problem. All right. Uh, next week, without fail, we will continue. Um, we'll finish chapter 6 and then move on into there. Um, so God bless all of you this evening. Um, just thank you. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.